Kia people. What up? Activate! No, come on. All right, come on in. Let's stand our feet. Guzzle your coffee. Don't get burnt, but guzzle it. Come on in. We're going to praise our God this morning. We're going to declare, do what you want to, Lord. Yeah? Who's with me? Yeah. Go on. Let's do this. All right. Praise you, Lord. Searching for, we want you and nothing more. Let your glory fill this place. We're alive in your presence. It's your heart. It's your heart we're searching for. We want you and nothing more. Oh Lord, let your glory fill this place. We're alive in your presence. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to. Do what you want to. God, we long to see you. Do what you want to. Do what you want to.
turn into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you Not like you Into the darkness Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes you rise There's no one like you God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. Our God. Our God, sing. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. God is healer, and He's awesome in power, our God, our God. He will lift you up. You will wear the Lord. You are high above all else, all promises. Lord, into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's no one like you Our God is greater Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God Our God is greater Stop. 
today very good very good shall we take a moment and pray Holy Spirit you are most welcome in this place our desire this morning is to connect with you together to lift you up to bring glory to you to get recharged in your presence to do what you've called us to do. And Father, I pray this morning that we would have open hearts, open eyes, open ears before you. We'd have soft hearts before you. Father, I declare your blessing over your church this morning. I thank you that we can gather together so freely. And I ask that every person would connect with you some way, somehow this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You doing all right? Yes. Yes. Great. Great. Very good. Well, it's nice to see you. And take a seat if you'd like to. Welcome. It is great to see you this morning. We're going to have a great time together. If you're visiting with us, very warm welcome to you. Hope enjoy, you enjoy your time with us together this morning. You relax, you connect, connect with God, connect with people. And um, yeah, like I said, that you enjoy yourself. Thanks for being here. Well, I've got a couple of people I really want to, to welcome this morning visiting with us. We've got Martin with us down the back there, who's with us from down the south of the North Island. Welcome, great to have you here. And we've got three guests with us from Ghana today. We have Stephen, Pius, and Emmanuel down the front here. <laughs> Wonderful to have you with us. It's great. They are studying this year at uh, Equipers Bible College in Auckland. And, and part of what they're doing is they're, they're going around some of the different Acts churches in New Zealand as well, just seeing the different ways that we approach um, doing life together and doing church together. So they're in Hamilton with us this weekend, and it's great to have you guys here. Just thinking of Emmanuel. He has a little boy and uh, his wife at home, and he's left them for two years to come to New Zealand and to be equipped to go forward with what God's asking him to do in the future. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's a massive sacrifice. And uh, I certainly feel pretty challenged when I think of that. And... Um, I invite you to feel encouraged and challenged as well when you think of that. It doesn't make uh, prayer meeting on a Tuesday night so hard, does it? No. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. The answer is no, Sheridan, and it doesn't. It makes it pretty easy, actually. It's very good. Anyway, we're blessed to have you guys with us. Who's had a birthday or a celebration this last week? Birthday, anniversary, birthday? Oh, you've got to come and have a chocolate birthdays behind me happy birthday come and have some chocolate is it yours today happy birthday Brian today fantastic is it, is it that date wow 
Very good. Happy birthday. Very good. Wedding anniversary? Birthday. Yeah, wow. Oh, happy anniversary. How many years? 17. That's worth a great big round of applause, I think. Happy anniversary. Very good. The rest of the birthdays? One anniversary, birthdays? Or happy birthday? Happy anniversary. Great. Church, why don't we jump up on our feet and declare God's blessing over these ones. Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have a great year. of things I would like to bring to your attention. Um, next Sunday, during the 6pm gathering, we're starting Faith 101 again. Faith 101 is a, a course, if you're new in faith, new to faith, just started your journey with Jesus, you want to get some good uh, principles in your life, Josh Moore is leading a class of Faith 101 starting next week, I think it goes for four weeks, and um, it's outstanding. It'll be very, very good for you to attend that if you're new in your journey with Jesus. And so that'll be happening during the 6 p.m. gathering, starting from next Sunday. It would be really good if you could call the office and uh, just let them know you're coming because it means that we can have a rough idea how many people are going to be there, which would be very good. Also, Global Mission. Can we put that slide up? Global Mission this year. How are we doing? The green boxes are how we're doing as far as money coming in compared to what? We had promised, so we're doing okay. We've made a good start. And, uh, but can I really encourage you, please, to keep your faith promises coming in. And uh, we will see God do some remarkable stuff. Just this week uh, in India, through Impart India, we have put 2,215 summary Bibles in the hands of pastors in the north of India. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. I'll, I'll tell you why it's cool. The Summary Bible is a, is a brand new tool that they've developed over there in the local language. So, number one, they can read it. But the, the level of education in the north of India amongst the pastors isn't particularly high. And so they really need some help bringing the Word of God and expounding in the Bible to their churches. And so the Summary Bible, what it does, it has a chapter of Scripture and then it, has, it highlights what the main points are in that chapter and how to communicate them and so it does a lot of the work for these pastors so what it does for every one of these bibles we put in the hands of a pastor it means that their church and the people in that area are going to get a higher level of teaching from the word of God which means that when they teach not only are they hearing the word of God but also we are um, we're tackling issues of poverty of slavery of injustice of equal rights and all these things because the Word of God tackles all of those things and it's been expounded at a greater level. So that's 2,215 churches that will be directly impacted. That's 2,215 communities that are going to just get taken to another level because of your generosity. That's pretty cool, eh? I think it's amazing. Well done. It's outstanding. 
So that's very, very exciting. We've got some other exciting things to share with you as time goes on too that are, are taking place. Well, Grant, why don't you come? Grant's going to come and share a testimony with us this morning. Give him a hand as he comes. Nice to see you back, Lana. Rough few weeks. Very rough. Good morning. As you may or may not be aware, I'm a part of uh, the Kmart Night Market Encounter Team. We have the privilege of speaking uh, to the people of Hamilton about the hope and love that comes from knowing our awesome Creator God. If you would have asked me two years ago uh, what I thought about sharing and whether I liked it, I would have said no. Sharing my faith was never easy at the best of times and painful at the worst. I can tell you, I didn't like it one little bit. So what changed? Well, a lot to be honest. Shock horror. It's not about me, but about the lasting effect of what God wants. What a revelation. Once I learnt to surrender my desires and be obedient to God's, He helped me see how important my role was in His plans and desires for His creation. I can tell you... (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, It changed sharing from a burden to a desire. For me, there are two things that changed in my heart. That was love and prayer. From that moment I chose to surrender and be obedient, I started to find myself wanting what God wanted. It's a great feeling knowing you're sharing God with people who have little to absolutely no idea about His unconditional love and knowing the change that it can bring into people's lives. As it says in Mark 12:33, a teacher of religious law replies to Jesus, And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. Listen to that. Firstly, love God with all my heart. That's faith, obedience, understanding, which is wisdom and Bible knowledge. Strength, which of course is perseverance. Secondly, love your neighbor. An act of selflessness, then lastly, as yourself. To me, it's fairly clear. First, love God and everything that goes along with that. Then be selfless. Love others as you love yourself. Don't be selfish. Love breeds intentional behavior. Prayer. Prayer has power. Prayer is not a conversation but a tool. It has become a useful tool to prepare both myself and the environment I enter into. It's like a garden hoe where you prepare the ground, making it ready to plant the seed. My encouragement to you this morning is pray, pray, pray. Pray for those you want to see changed. Pray beforehand, pray during, and pray after. When we pray, we partner with God. When we love, we are acting out God's desires for His people. 
when God places someone on your mind and, or heart, be active and pray for that person. When it comes to sharing, don't be worried about the outcome. I believe God will see your effort no matter how big or small. You don't need to be gifted in evangelism or speak about, uh, to speak about God. I feel a little bit of faith, hope and love goes a long way towards seeing what you desire for that person. Remember, we are partners with God because the need or pursuit of perfection can lead to apathy. You don't need to be perfect, just obedient. Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. 1 Timothy 2.1-6 I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them and intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for the kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. So I encourage you, wherever you are, whenever you are, represent Jesus in the best way you know how. Thank you. Well, kids, sorry guys, my bad. You should have already gone, but you can go now. Have a great time. Thank you, leaders. We appreciate you. You're amazing. Have fun, kids. Let's stand our feet, church. I don't know if this uh, awesome quote from Grant just snuck past you or not, but um, he said something like, um, love breeds intentional behavior. Did you guys catch that? Kind of like mind-blowing, isn't it? Is that mind-blowing? It kind of can imply to every single moment of your life right now. Anytime. The love breeds intentional behavior. That's what Jesus did on the cross, right? His ultimate example of that. Love died on the cross. In the garden, saying, I'm not going to, yeah, well, I don't really want to do this, God. Like, really badly. My body doesn't want to do this. My soul doesn't want to do this. But what did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. And it's the greatest worship song we've ever, ever heard. That, that, that is, you know, so... Let our love for Christ breathe some intentional behavior in us this morning. Let's come before our God this morning and worship and honor Him and lift Him up. Bless His name. Focus on Him.
and gave us freedom true love in your eyes you were broken but then you saw my life I'm overwhelmed you gave your Lord, you reign, have your way in my heart, in my heart forever. Your name, it is 
Shout your name. Shout your name. It is great. King of all. King of all. Lord, you reign. Have your way in my heart. In my heart. Shout your name. Shout your name. It is great. King of all, King of all, Lord, you reign, have your way in my heart, in my heart. out in your hands, Lord God, and you are good, and you are worthy, you are trustworthy, Lord God. We praise you, Lord. We honor you. Come on, speak it out. Speak it out. Sing it out. Shout it out. We praise you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord God. Blessing, glory, honor, and power be unto you forever, Lord, and ever. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Let's come before him now and worship our God. If you need to close your eyes, close your eyes for a little bit. You want to lift your hands? You lift your hands for a bit. You want to get on your knees? Get on your knees. You want to come out the front or into the aisles to have space to worship your God? Come on, let's do that. We worship you, Lord. Be enthroned, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Before our life, we 
out voices this morning. Come on. for highest praises. Revelation. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. All the nations of the world will mourn Him. Yes and Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. A few more verses down, it says, When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe and a gold sash across his chest. His hair, sorry, his head, and his hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. Die, but look, I am alive forever and I hold the keys to the grave. Come on, let's give him biggest praise this morning. Highest praise. Biggest praise, come on. Come on, biggest praise. 
feel good when you just have a good blowout singing praise to God? Fantastic, isn't it? Highest praises. Highest praise. See, not a good, good God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the promises of God are a yes and amen. They're not a nod, wink or a nudge. Got to come out of our mouth. Yes, yes. Yeah, is he not a good God? He's a fantastic God. You know, when we speak, when we, when we say yes to the promises of God, to the Word of God, we're aligning ourselves with the truth of God. It's very, very powerful. Very powerful. Well, Chris, why don't you come? Chris is going to bring the Word this morning. It's a great Word, so buckle yourself in. Fantastic. How about giving me a hand as it comes? Thank you, thank you. Amen. Well, the title of my sermon this morning is Vision College Internships. <coughs> Just don't forget, you know, anywhere you go onto TV on demand or onto YouTube, you always get this little ad first. So I'm just keeping the flavour. <coughs> um, don't forget that we've got internships running next year, uh, ministry level five. So if you want to serve the church and learn and get a diploma and everything, they'll be running again. So um, if you want to do that, talk to me or someone else or Sheridan or someone else. You better make sure that they actually want you, I suppose, in some ways. I'm sure they do. Uh, do great work there. Uh, not just that, that we also have the new business diploma, New Zealand Diploma in Business, that you can do through an internship model. Uh, so they meet at the same block courses. Uh, you worship the Lord and have the same guest speakers and you split out to your different topics. All taught by Christians, Christian context, Christian examples as applied. Uh, so you can do that. So I particularly thought... Um, when I came here, I thought it'd be great to be able to have a program that if you're not, you want to serve the church for a year, but you're not, that's not your focus for your career, but you could serve the church, get this Christian environment and go out with a diploma that could be really useful for taking you somewhere. So uh, we want to give you that option. Uh, there's nothing Christian in the title of the diploma, so you can put it on your CV quite happily, uh, but it's very Christian in its context. Um, and we hope to have a similar diploma internship in music next year as well. So uh, a real range of topics that you could, uh, you could do. Again, meeting in the same block courses. Right. Advert over. <clears throat> I want to share with you this morning something that God's been working with me. I was going to say dealing with me. Working with me over the last 12 months. It hasn't finished, but it's, uh, it's really been a great work. Uh, since I've been in Hamilton, really, I started this role on the 1st of August last year. So we're pretty close to just a, a little bit over a year now being in this great city. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Should have come up for a chocolate. God called Abraham out of his hometown, out from the Chaldeans, and said, come out, I've got this promised land for you and your descendants. Well, you know, he didn't have a kid. There's no family. He was 75 years old, and God said, this is the start of something. 
It's not bad, is it? God's never finished with any of us. And so he says, come out, bring your wife, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, what was her first name? Sarai. Thank you. Slipped my mind. So Abram in those days, of course, came out at 75 years old, left that. He put aside uh, all those things in the past and set aside himself to, go, to go and do what God has called him to do. And there was a cost, wasn't there? Moses was called out to set his people free, but initially he had 40 years in Egypt in the luxury of the Pharaoh's home and so on until he had to flee from there, and I'm sure you know the story, and give all that away. And then he lived in Midian for 40 years, built up a new life and so forth. And at 80 years old, uh, God appeared to him in the burning bush and said, go and set my people free and return to Egypt. 80 years old. Amazing, isn't it? By the way, Abraham lived to 175, so he wasn't even middle-aged at that point, by the way. I'm going with that. It's not 75 yet, by the way. Um, so Moses had to go back to the land of Egypt and say, you know, set my people free and lead them out. And he had to, by the time he left Egypt, Egypt was a broken nation. The plagues and all the rest of it, you know, destroyed the crops and the animals and the firstborn of all the Egyptian families was dead and so on. And all that he had known in his past, that history, that connection in a sense, had semi been destroyed. And the, and the army got destroyed as they crossed over the Red Sea. And then he went into uh, the wilderness and at the end of the wilderness journey in the end of the book of Numbers, uh, he said to the people, go out, God told him to tell the people to go out and fight the Midianites and destroy them. And so they killed all the men and all the wives and so forth, kept the young children and and the flocks. Midian was where he spent his second 40 years. His wife was a Midianite. His father-in-law was a Midianite. I mean, his whole past, both parts of those 40 years, was now wiped out and gone. You know, there was a, there was a huge sacrifice. But his closeness to God, he stood face to face with God. You know, the relationship he had was of far greater glory and far greater purpose to lead his people to the promised land than what he left behind in the connection to his past life. God told the Israelites to come out of Egypt, and in a sense that's a separation from Egypt, which is a sign of like the world, come out to my promised land. I've got something better for you. And they said, oh, no, 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 we're happy being slaves. We're comfortable. It's so easy to be comfortable, isn't it? I always used to say that a a rut (laughs) that you get into is just like an open grave. You know, (laughs) it just keeps going along. (laughs) Anyway. So the Israelites came out, they were separated out of Egypt and they came out to a promised land called something better, something future, something that was much better than where they were. And then in the middle of all that, the Israelites, one tribe was set aside, the Levites, to be priests unto the Lord, to set aside to serve the Lord and to serve the people. They, they had to pay a sacrifice for that because they didn't get an allotment of land. They got no inheritance in the land. They could use some land outside the cities, but they had nothing they passed on from generation to generation. They were there as servants to serve the people and set aside for his use. God said to Zacharias and Elizabeth, John, your son, will be set aside from birth and he will make straight the paths for the Lord. And John lived outside of the city, out in the wilderness, and people came to him to be baptized. And he had to pay that price to separate it for the purpose of God. And God said to the serpent in the Garden of Eden that, that the woman's seed 
will crush your head. And Jesus was set aside by the Father, as it says in John 10.36, and set aside to come here to pay the price to tell us all about the way of salvation and to pay the price for us to get here to be saved and be part of his family. There was a price in the setting aside to get to the glorious end, wasn't there? And a service called. And then Jesus, when he was on the earth, called the disciples to himself and said, come leave those fishing boats, come leave those tax gatherings and things, and come and follow me. And they set aside themselves, they separated themselves unto God for the purpose and the word that he'd called them to. In 2 Corinthians 6, 16, it says, For you are the temple of the living God, that's us. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. How brilliantly amazing is that? I will be their God, they shall be my people. Come, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Called out, out of the physical life into the spiritual life, called out of the old ways into the new ways, called out to live in a new realm and a new promise of future. Better than the Israelites, really, because God lives in us now not in a pillar of cloud or a, or a pillar of smoke. Do I mean religiously? Like separate yourselves from the world so we're going to live as a monk in a monastery? Nope. Absolutely not what I'm talking about. There's no value in that, is there? We separate ourselves in our hearts from the world. We separate ourselves from the things that try and control us from the old ways. It's all about relationship. It's all about love, it's all about giving, it's all about serving, it's all about doing the things that God has called us to do, believing and trusting in Him. It's a spiritual separation of the heart, isn't it? Not a physical separation of locking ourselves away where we're no value to anyone else. Colossians 2.20 talks about this. It says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle which are all concerns things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but have no value against the indulgence of the flesh. See, religion just suppresses things and keeps them underneath. doesn't solve them, but God does, doesn't he? Called out and sanctified and separated unto God is what we've been called to do. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just like the Israelites were called out of the land of Egypt, we've been called out of this world, in a sense, into a new realm to be his chosen people, a priesthood, a holy nation, that we go out and proclaim the goodness of God to our communities. That's his purpose, isn't it? called out and then I thought well what's the job of a priest how would I describe a priest if that's what all of us are what is a priest and I wrote down here called out to the of the world to serve the people called out of selfish pursuit into service for God and others is that sort of how you would describe a priest's role and that's what we're called to do Interesting thought, isn't it? And yet we often, and I'm talking about myself here as much as any, because it's been challenging me over the last 12 months, often we get caught up in the day-to-day life and all the things we're trying to achieve and think about, hang on, I'm first of all called to be a priest to God and to others, to love God, to love your neighbours. That's what I'm called to do. That's my first calling. It's not about ourselves. It's about others, isn't it? 
Matthew 25, Matthew 25, and starting at verse 31, has the parable of the sheep and the goats. And this is the parable that's been in my mind in the last 12 months. Because I don't want to be a goat, I want to be a sheep. All right? Do you agree with me on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Anyone wants to be a goat, I will talk to you afterwards. It says, and he separated in the last days, and he called them all to, before him, and he separated the sheep and the goats, and, the, and the, the sheep he put on his right hand. Right hand. And the goats on his left. Other way around, if it's you guys. And he says to the sheep, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Right? And then he turns to the goats, and this is why I don't want to be a goat. Then he will, then he will answer, also say to those who are on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, that's a good motivation to not be on that side. Yeah. And then in the goats say, Well, where, why? What, where did we miss it, Lord? And he said, when you didn't give me a drink, when you didn't clothe me, then you didn't visit me, when you didn't feed me. And then he said, when did we not do that? They said, when you didn't do it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters. And the really interesting thing about that whole scripture is that neither the sheep nor the goats knew what they were doing. The goats were completely surprised. Like, when did we miss it? And the sheep said, when did we do it? They were just doing what was very much of their nature. They were doing what was inside of them and just living that life. And I take the sheep and the goats as being in the church because they're very hard to distinguish between. In the old days, of course, you know, you, you're really hard to divide the two. Uh, we obviously bred the sheep to have longer wool these days, but traditionally it was difficult to divide the sheep and the goats because they look so similar. But neither were conscious of what they were doing. And I thought, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? The point is love, you know, but sometimes we miss the point and get busy with life. Way back when I first moved here, I got challenged by the scripture and I thought, well, what am I doing to help me become a sheep? Because, man, if I'm a goat, I probably don't realize it. All right? And I want more sheep days than goat days. So what can I do to make myself aware or train myself to be more of a sheep than a goat? And I thought, you know, I just need to take the opportunities that come past because obviously the goats missed the opportunities. They didn't see them. And I thought, okay, well, something like uh, if I get an email, say, from Tear Fund or something, I'm not going to say like I used to, oh, yeah, I'll get back to that. You know, and then you forget about it. I'll read it when it arrives, or I'll leave it unread and read it, you know, when I, so I don't miss it. And if there's an opportunity, I'm going to say, well, what do you want me to give to this one, Lord? And if, if I feel to give, and, and most, most of the time I give something, even if it's just like $10, you know, whatever is on your heart, I give it right then. You, know, you can do it with your phone these days. You don't have to wait. I don't want to miss the opportunity of being a sheep and become a goat, you know. And I thought, okay, how do I do that in the physical? I thought, okay, I don't normally carry any cash. I use my cards all the time like most of us do. So 
I'll, I'll go and get 20 bucks out of the money machine and I'll keep it in my wallet. So then if I do have, see someone homeless or someone who has a, you know, give them enough for lunch or something, I can give them the 20 bucks. So I'm prepared to be a, a sheep. And so I got 20 bucks out, put it in my wallet, and that was good. A couple of weeks later, I was back at the money machine getting a couple of hundred dollars out for another purpose, for a different purpose. And uh, just as I'm finishing off at the money machine, this guy's coming walking down the street, and he yells out, hey, hey, mate, uh, uh, you know, I'm just going home, and I, my wife and my kid, and we don't have any money for the tea, and we, I want to feed my wife and my child. And, you know, he's calling out and basically begging me to give him some money. And uh, I looked up at him, and he was reasonably dressed. He's sort of 35, 40-year-old guy. Uh, had a backpack on, probably on his way home. Uh, probably quite genuine and that sort of thing. I thought, you don't look like you need money, you know. And I thought, oh, I've heard this all before. Yeah, right, you know. Anyway, so I ignored him, and I walked to the car. Just as I get to the back of my car, this gust of wind came from somewhere and flicked out one $20 note. And it's flying through the air. So I'm chasing this $20 note, as you do, you know. And it flies about 20 feet and lands right in front of this guy on the ground. Doesn't fly anywhere else. I don't put my foot on it or anything. It just stops right there. I'm like, okay. So what do you do then? You know, I picked it up and I gave it to him. You know, I wasn't going to resist the Holy Spirit that much. You know. <clears throat> There's a point, you know, I have a point. So I gave this $20 to him. And then when I got back in the car, I felt the Lord say to me, goats train themselves out of seeing opportunities. And I thought that was a good challenge, you know. So they usually use, oh, he doesn't deserve it. I'm too busy at the moment. Or some other excuse that eventually becomes your nature because it happens so many times. And I thought we have to train ourselves the other way, don't we? Other way. It's not about, I'm okay, Jack. It's about, what are we giving? I always challenge myself, you know, in all the years that I've been a Christian, how much of me has died and how much of Christ is now living in me? I always pray each day more. And then I thought, you know, what about sheep and goats? Why does he use sheep and goats as the example? You know, obviously there's that similarity and difficulty in splitting them apart. But what's the character about sheep and goats that he's trying to say? So, you know, consulted the oracle, Wikipedia, (laughs) and see what the difference between goats and sheep are. And it says goats are independent, headstrong, hard to contain. They bust through fences and things. They always want on the other side somewhere, you know, the grass is nicer over there, I want to get over there, I'm not going to stay where you want me to. They don't naturally follow and they don't naturally flock together. They're fairly loners, sort of, you know, small group sort of thing. And the other thing is they're foragers, which means basically they eat anything they can find. All right? They're not selective eaters. And I thought, that's interesting. How many times have I been independent and headstrong? and not being careful about what I take in? And how much have I not followed? It's a good challenge, isn't it? The sheep, on the other hand, are naturally followers. They want to follow something, whether it's each other or the shepherd or something. And they like to flock together naturally. So they want to meet together with their brothers and sisters. They want to share. They want to commune. They want to be together and do things and help out and be part of the collective. And they're selective eaters. So in other words, they're grazers, not foragers. So they're quite happy with the grass in front of them. Yeah, they, they might stick their head through the fence down to get a bit, get a bit of long grass, but they're not going to bust the fence down to get it. They just want the grass, happy with that, go that way. 
So that's what sheep are about compared to goats. Interesting thought, isn't it? But here's the key. It's not actually about religiously trying to change ourselves. It's about doing the thing that we started off in our whole walk in God with. We started off with the Word of God. It was the Word that came to us that got in our hearts that gave us the faith to receive Jesus as our Saviour. It's the Word that changes us. And we, often we get saved and then we think we have to change us. And God says, no, no, no. It's me. I'll do it. Just walk with me. It's about his word. Let the word do its work. Let the word bring the harvest. Let the word flourish in you. Are we walking in our natural selves or are we walking in where God says we are? Because, man, when I look in the mirror, I'm weak, ineffectual, not an overcomer. But in Christ, I'm more than an overcomer. I'm seated in heavenly places. All things are possible to him who believes. I can do all things in Christ. Hebrews 4, verse 10 it says, for he who has entered his rest, that is God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works, and God, as God had, had did from his. <clears throat> Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, this is talking about the Israelites when they got pulled out of the land of Egypt to the promised land, and they were disobedient, and they ended up wandering in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. So what was their disobedience? The spies came back and said, oh, yeah, it's a great land. You know, you should go for it. It's cool. But there's giants out there, and it's too hard, and we can't do it. So they gave up. They looked at the natural ability. They looked at their natural circumstances and said, I don't believe the word of God. That's the challenge for us every day, isn't it? The word says one thing, and we say, no, it's too hard. No, I can't do that. No, I don't believe it. I don't want that disobedience against me when it says in Hebrews, don't do it. But it's a challenge for all of us. We need to be diligent to enter his rest. His rest is living in faith. Instead of our works trying to do something, our works trying to change us, our works trying to achieve something, let's just follow him and walk in him. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful. Called to a rest, but we've got to push in, don't we? We've got to push in against the fear, we've got to push in against the busyness, push in against the cares, Pushing against our religious approach and attitudes and say, no, it's all about the word. I'm going to do what God calls me to do. Colossians 3.14 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Can't defeat the flesh by the flesh, can you? Don't try and suppress the flesh because it just bubbles away inside. God's the only one that can actually get rid of that stuff. A few weeks ago when I spoke, I, uh, I mentioned the phrase, garden your heart, which I thought was brilliant. I don't know how you thought of it. I thought it was good because it wasn't in my notes. <laughs> and it wasn't in my head. And when I said it, I thought, man, that sounds cool. <laughs> so I'm giving God the glory for that one. But I think it's a good, good approach. Get rid of the weeds. The parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 has four types of ground. And we are all, whether we're saved, whether we've been a Christian for 50 years, we are all one of these four grounds. Four grounds, sorry count right um, path stony thorns or good ground all right there's four of them the first one is the path so the seed gets sown and it says the seed is the word of god so the word of god gets sown out into our hearts and the first one is the path and it's trampled down and hard and the seed just sits on the top and it's got no chance of getting into that ground that's someone you know you're talking to someone about god and they say, oh, i don't want any of that religious rubbish take it away nope don't want to know hardened heart not receptive 
All right? if, you're a, if you're saved and you're a Christian, then you are not that ground, all right? because you've received the word. Now, the second one is the stony ground. The stony ground, you know, it germinates and comes in there and it starts to grow. The, the word starts to grow. But because it doesn't get very deep in its roots, when the sun comes up, it gets withers and dies and shrivels up and passes away. They're the ones who quickly say, oh, yeah, this is cool. Come to church, yeah, no, no, it's too hard now. No, I'm going back to where I was. All right? If you've been in church for a while, year, two years, whatever the case may be, there's no particular length of time, not that I've found, um, then you are unlikely to be that type of ground, right? So you're not the first two types of ground. So all of us, most of us here, I should say, are probably one of the last two types of ground. Now, the third type of ground is those sown among the thorns. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now, the really interesting thing about that particular type of ground, it comes in, the word starts to grow, and then the thorns come up and all these other things, these weeds come up and choke it. It does not die. That particular person still sits in the congregation, still comes to church, still is a Christian, still goes on with their life, but they are unfruitful. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to do that. And I don't want to be that. If I have been, I don't want to be it anymore. Right? So I could sit in the church all my life and get to the end and be like the goat and say I didn't really achieve anything. That's not where I want to be. That's not what I gave my life away for. But these are the ones in verse 20, the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. That's what I want to be. So how do I get to that point? If I'm in the thorny ground, I've got to get rid of the thorns, right? Get rid of the weeds, get rid of the, the other things that come in. And it says three types there. First one, in verse 19, it says, The cares of this world. It literally means the distractions of the world. All, right? All the things that come in and just sort of busy your mind up. You know, oh, I've got to pay that bill next week. I've got to take the kids across town. Oh, I've got to sort that out in the car. I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And oh, I can't pray at the moment. Oh, I can't get to the Word at the moment. I've just got to get these things done first. The busyness and the cares and the worries of this world come in and choke the word. We've got to be really careful of that. Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The second one is the deceitfulness of riches. You know, in our Western world, we seek after money all the time. Oh, the bigger house, the bigger car, the better, better holiday, you know. Boats are exempt, by the way. Just uh, putting that in there. So, you know, the seedfulness of riches, nothing wrong with those things, but if that's what we're chasing after, if that's what our life has become about, then that's wrong. That's a thorn that has grown up and choking our life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. God will bless you if you put him first. And then the last one is the desires for other things. Got to have that 60-inch screen TV, you know, super high definition. Oh, the latest iPhone, got to get that. You know, be like the goat wanting the, the field on the other side because the grass always seems longer over there, you know, somewhere. Get rid of those weeds out of our heart and call to be priests unto God. Getting back to that concept of a priest, getting concept of the sheep fellowshipping together and thinking about our brothers and sisters. We are in the world, but not of the world. Protect the word, believe the word, speak the word only, and see his abundance come. John 17, we have a great uh, insight into Jesus praying to his Father. It says in John 17 and verse 16, They are not of the world. They're talking about us. Just as I am not of the world. Set them apart. Sanctify, in other words. Sanctify just simply means set apart. 
Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. See, when we were saved, we were set apart to God. It was the word that came into our hearts and we received it and it set us apart. And yet we fall back, like I say often, in thinking we have to do something to get any further. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I set apart myself, that they also might be set apart by the truth. The word does the work. Interesting, you, a couple of scriptures in Acts, going out and spreading the gospel. In Acts 12, 24, it says, But the word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God. The word of God did the work. It's sown in their hearts, it grew, it produced a harvest. Then those went and told other people about it, and they were fruitful in their work. Acts 19.20, it says, So the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. Interesting concept, isn't it? Ephesians 5, and talking about husbands and wives, and then into the church, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might set apart and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Isn't that amazing? We are the bride of Christ, and we will be holy and without blemish, without spot, because of the word in us, not because of anything good we do. Nothing we do is of any worth, but the word in us producing fruit is the thing that cleanses us and gets us there. And yet we often get the wrong point, don't we? The washing of water by the word. Yeah, a little while ago, about a month ago, I was, I was saying, you know, I hear God, but I'd like to hear him more. I really don't hear him much, you know. Oh, I really don't hear God much. And I suddenly realized what I was doing, saying the wrong thing. Yeah. I was saying what I didn't want, yeah. right? So I got back to John 10, 3, and it says, The sheep hear his voice. So I said, right, I'm going to quote that, and I'm going to claim that, and I'm going to confess that, and that's what's going to happen in my life. Lord, you are my shepherd, and you said your sheep hear your voice. That's how we follow you. So I hear your voice in the name of Jesus. I confessed it and believed it. And man, I hear his voice twice as much just in a month. Just because you confess it, just because you sow the word and you get the fruitfulness of that. Sometimes I wonder what we say. There must be a whole lot of other things in my life that I'm not saying right. There is a realm where we are blessed. There's a realm where the, uh, the angels protect us. There's a realm where we have healing. There's a realm where we have joy and peace and provision and all our needs met. That's the realm God wants to bring to pass, but it's got to be by his word. That's the promised land that we have been called out to. Like a mirror, we need to look into his word. 2 Corinthians 3.18, in the Amplified Version, it says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue, continue to behold <clears throat> in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? When we see the glory of the Lord in the word, we see it about us. That's just, that's phenomenal. When I look in the natural mirror, I know that I'm not able. I look in the spiritual mirror, can't beat me. Yeah. Right? I'm in Christ. As in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being constantly transfigured into his very image in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? As we look into his word, we're being transformed from splendor to splendor. Right. Incredible what he has made us in him. And this scripture here in 2 Peter 1, 3, this, this will change your mind, change your life if you can grasp hold of what it's saying here. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, As his divine power has given us 
has, that's in past tense, right, already done, finished, given to us all things, that's everything, not partially, not some things, everything that pertains to life and godliness. So his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life, everything naturally, and godliness, everything spiritually. Amazing, already given, isn't it? How do we receive that? says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So getting to know him is how we walk into this. How do we get to know him? Well, it says, by, which, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that interesting? We can be like God by his promises in his word, receiving them and walking them. And it also says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through love. Uh, through love, through lust. No corruption through love. Not in God's love. The exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that amazing? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There is a realm that he wants us to walk in that naturally we go back to the flesh trying to do our best. And we miss it when we don't follow his word and use his power because we don't have the power. Matthew 6, 9 and 10 says, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that all the time. We all know it, probably off by heart. That word kingdom literally means realm. Your realm come. Your way of living come. Your existence, your power, your abilities come. And then what happens then? His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's happening in heaven? Anyone sick in heaven? Anyone short of something in heaven? Anyone got a shortage of supply in heaven? Anyone not got enough to eat? Anyone not happy and joyful and full of love? That's God's will for here. By his great and precious promises, we can bring that kingdom down and live in it here. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for what tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That is the same word kingdom that was in the other scripture. It means realm. So seek ye first the realm of God. Because when we're walking in him, we've got the fruit going in him, then we will actually be of service to those around us and do what he wants us to do. He said for the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power. The day of Pentecost came and they went out and did the service. See, if we don't have the power of God, then we can't be effective servants for him out there. Without him, we can do nothing in John 15, it says. Right? In him, we can do all things. He is the ability in us. We are the vessels. We are the ambassadors that go forth and do it. We don't live by what we see, do we? We live by what, our, what their Lord says. That's the whole key. Set apart by his word. Set apart to be priests. Set apart to serve. Serve God, serve the people. Love God, love the people. You know, the other month I um, had this pain in my side and I, I thought, oh, you know, what's that? You know how you put up with things and you don't think about them for a while? You sort of, you know, you think, oh, I should have prayed for that a while ago. <laughs> I don't know whether you do that as well, but you know you do, because you just got to get busy with life. Anyway, about after 24 hours, I thought, oh, you know, it's inside there somewhere. I couldn't quite figure what it was, you know, not muscle. And I thought, hang on, I've heard of these sort of symptoms before. It, it sounds like a kidney infection or something. That's sort of where it was. Where it was. I thought, oh, I'm not having that. Laid my hands on it, prayed in the name of Jesus. So I rebuked that. I just I say that by whose stripes I've been healed in the name of Jesus. And I 
walked away. Did I feel any different at that moment? No. <laughs> Did I still feel that pain? Yes, but I don't walk by what I see or feel. I walk by the word of God, right? So about an hour later, I suddenly, oh, that's, uh, oh, yes, gone. You know. And then I thought, because the other week Sheridan said, you know, what are you going to do for service and so forth? What I wrote down is I need to share my understanding of healing and so forth with people and go and pray for people more and thought, it's all very well for me to be healed, but what about all the other people? I need to share the love of gospel. I don't want to be a goat with it. I want to be a sheep with it. You know what I mean? So that's what I wrote down the other week. And I thought, yeah, I've got to get out there and not just think, I'm okay, Jack. So how many of us want to be more sheep than goats? Because right? I've got my hand up as well. Good. You don't want to be a goat more than a sheep, though. No. It's not a very flattering thing, is it? But, you know, that's what God says. So let's... I never think of sheep being very bright. But Anyway, whatever God says is good for me. So I would encourage you. This is the challenge. Find promises in his word. They may be different to you. There's a whole lot of promises in there, but find the ones that apply to you and connect with you. You know, years ago, I tried to memorize scripture, and I found it really hard. But when I suddenly got onto promises and that one's connected with me, I found that easy to remember because they meant something. Find the promises, write them out by hand, or type them out, or put them on your phone or something, and read them out loud every day somewhere. can be private. don't have to anyone else hear you, but speak them out. Speak out. He will have whatever he says, Mark 11.23 says, right? So start sowing the word, sowing the word. It takes a while for it to grow and produce the harvest. But sow the word into your heart. Secondly, garden your heart. I like that statement. Don't say anything that contradicts what you just said about the promise. You go to say something negative, think, oh, God never helps. Oh, no. Just button it up. All right? Only speak what the word says. Don't contradict it. Don't go and th- th- you know, sow a thorn next to the plant that you just planted. It'll get choked. And secondly, cast off the cares of this world. Be anxious about nothing, God says. Seek first the kingdom of God and he'll supply all your other needs. Be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication. Make your request known unto God with thankfulness and the peace of God which guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That'll, that'll help you. That'll keep you safe, won't it? Called to be priests, called to be set apart, called to serve him. So lastly, I just want to give a challenge to anyone who may not know this great and glorious life. All right? If you don't know who Jesus is, you've never met him, then I really encourage you to do that. There's an excellent opportunity right now, right this morning, to say, I love the thought of this whole thing, I've heard the word, I want to receive it, and I'd like to go forward. I just wonder, just for the sake of privacy and focus, we could just close our eyes for a moment and just think about where you're at. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the love and the glory of knowing him in your life, if you're struggling along and think, I want a life of purpose, I want a life that's not just all about me, I want to receive Jesus into my life, then I just ask you to put your hand up now and say, I receive him right now. If there's anyone here that wants to do that, it may be that we're all saved and all sheep, but if there's anyone who's not, just give me a sign and I will... Uh, acknowledge it, and we'll just pray together. Anyone? Amen. Thank you. See that? Praise God. 
John 10, 10 says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and give it to us in abundance, and I know which one I want. Yeah. Amen. Let's just pray together. Let's all pray together. Read back over some of those scriptures. Thank you, Chris. Fantastic. Well, parents, this week, your children, the take-home question for your children, which is very appropriate considering what Chris just spoke, is find three people this week to encourage with your words and discuss who you're going to find with your kids over lunch. Also, a couple of other things. If you are visiting with us today, as you leave the auditorium on your right-hand side, there's some tables there. There'll be someone there to help you with uh, some information about who we are as a church and where we're going. I really encourage you to take a bag if you're giving. You're most welcome. Please also continue to be purposed in our giving. We're seeing some amazing things take place and uh, we need to remain purposed in our giving to be able to do the things that God's asked us to do. So thank you very much for your generosity. Can I invite you to stand to your feet? I would like to declare God's blessing over you as we go into the week. From the book of Jude. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him alone is God, our Saviour through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Father, I thank you that today we have been refreshed we have been encouraged. We've celebrated you together. And now as we go into our week, wherever we are and whenever we are there, please help us to be like Jesus. Father, we, we want to be sheep. Sometimes we get it all wrong, but we want to be sheep. So help us in that pursuit, I pray. In Jesus' name, let your blessing rest on your church. Amen. Amen. Shall we finish with the song? Yeah. Tonight, 6 p.m., I'm going to be speaking. We're talking about agreeing with God, which will be great. Enjoy the week. All right, church. There's no better song than this one to sing right now. Do what you want to. Let's sing that over our week. Praise you, Lord.